Welcome to today's Church Central podcast. We're a family of churches across Birmingham. To find out more, head to churchcentral.org.uk. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the religious law saw who were sitting there and thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to a paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth and to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out of, through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. Thanks, Elizabeth. That was great. Thank you. So the meeting took place in this house. Now, it's, it's likely, we don't know for sure, because it's not actually written, that this was Simon Peter's home. That could be because one of the previous miracles Jesus has just seen in Simon Peter's home, praying and, and healing Simon Peter's mother-in-law. So this is probably the home of Simon Peter's mother that we're in at the moment. And he, well, he was a poor man. He was a fisherman. He was not wealthy. Um, so this, this resembles a kind of mud home with a, uh, rafters in the roof and straw. And in Luke, it actually says there were tiles on the roof. Um, this next slide is what a crowded house looks like. When, oops, oh yeah, oh, uh, we've got, oh, it's all right. No, go back to the other one. That is a staircase up the side. That's what some of the houses will have. This is where... In the story, it says they took him up the, the stairs, and they were probably on the outside to the top of the flat roof. So the next one is a crowded house. When James and I were in um, Thailand, uh, and we had people uh, we, were, we were ministering to and talking to, they came in, and they were in there, and they were crammed in there. Now, who can tell me where a six-foot stretcher is going to go in the middle of that? could be quite difficult. So there wasn't enough room. So in the next slide, you'll see people stood and they looked in at the windows because there wasn't anywhere else they could go. So they thought they didn't want to miss out. They would be by the windows. Now the next one, we're doing a bit of a world tour here, was Mongolia. So we knew what it was like to carry somebody up a flight of stairs. Now, she wasn't on a stretcher, she was in a wheelchair, but it was still jolly difficult, and the, four, the five or six people carrying up the stairs had quite a job. Now, can you imagine that on a stretcher, lying full length, tilted like this, going up the stairs? I don't know whether somebody was at his feet, making sure he didn't fall off, but anyway, that's how he got taken up the stairs. And the next one is how he got down. <laughs> so... Can you just imagine this for a minute? It, it's interesting. Uh, when we read stories, we don't always think about it. 
there they are in this small room, which was a lot smaller than this, a lot smaller than this. You've got a, a straw, a wooden roof with tiles on above you. Jesus is standing there, squished in the middle of all these people. And all of a sudden there's this banging, scraping, scratching. And I would guess Jesus probably had a beard. And I can imagine little bits of dust all falling down on his eyelashes, on his beard. Bits of straw, bits of maybe mice or whatever came down with them. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't much fun. I wonder whether he stopped talking. But anyway, that's what it was. That's where we are. We're in this crowded room with all this noise going on above them. And all of a sudden, this man comes down. Now, you have to ask yourself, what kind of people were they that took the roof off and had four probably 10-foot ropes to lower him down. James actually told this story in Thailand, and he, he put it that they could have been burglars themselves, because who carries round tools for smashing a hole in a roof? And, and, and do you think they walked down the road with ropes on their shoulders to lower this guy? It's just interesting. It's one of those different dimensions. You don't know these things. But anyway, this man is brought before Jesus. Jesus doesn't look up and say, what are you doing? What's the first thing it says? Jesus saw their faith. Jesus cared about this man. He saw this man's faith. He saw the faith of their friends. Jesus cares for us. Jeez, I, I want you to know that. There's lots of people who've been going through lots of different things in this church. And Jesus cares about you passionately. He knows what you're going through. He knows you what's brought you to this point. And he knows what the future is. Believe Jesus cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. Now, the one thing about the Bible that we believe in this church is that it's the inspired word of God, that everything written in the Bible is true. And this says he cares for you. Don't ever let the devil say he doesn't care. Jesus had compassion for him. Now, when I looked up the literal meaning of this, it means to suffer together. It isn't just empathy. He was empathetic towards this man. He suffered together with this paralytic man. He knew what he was going through. He knows, Mark, what you're going through with that shoulder. I know you're not asleep, you just put your eyes closed. <laughs> Jesus knows, he cares. He has compassion for you. In all 37 recorded miracles, Jesus shows his compassion. I looked them all up, and each one, you see the care, the compassion that Jesus has for these people. Whether it's a leper, like we heard from Chris, whether it's a demoniac, whether it's a, a mother and a child, whether it's the, the hungry 5,000 people, whether it was the deaf, the dumb, the blind, the lame, Jesus cared 
for them. He had compassion for them. What was it he said to him? He said he saw, it says, he saw their faith and he said, my child, your sins are forgiven. Amazing. This is the only recorded miracle where Jesus talks about your sins are forgiven. He doesn't actually say that in any of the other miracles that are recorded in the Gospels. So Jesus never worked the same way every time. And I want you to know that I am not saying that every disease or sickness is caused by sin in your life. But we have to acknowledge there are times when that is the case. The Amplified Bible says, Son, your sins are forgiven you and put away, and you are made upright and in right standing with God. Isn't that tremendous? There's this man lying on a stretcher, paralyzed, and Jesus says to him, you are made upright and in right standing with God. I think that's tremendous. Now, if that man had turned around and said, sin? Me? What are you talking about? I don't have any sin. This is what 1 John 8 to 10 says. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word is not in us. None of us want to call God a liar. We have to accept when God says, you're sinning, set it straight. We need to set it straight. This was very interesting. I found another name for paralyzed. It means out of action. It was a cinema. I just came across it. And I thought, isn't that fantastic? Paralyzed is the same as being out of action. Now, let's just think. What sins can put us out of action? And really the first place that came to my mind was Exodus 20. In Exodus 20, we have the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses on Mount Sinai. And these are there. And I was thrilled when Chris um, had that song this morning, I will have served no foreign gods, nor any other treasure. That's what God says, no other gods. Now we don't necessarily make little wooden idols. They do in other countries, the Hindus have a lot of idols, but in England you don't, don't really see that many, I don't think. God's talking about anything that takes his place. An idol is something that we have in the place of God. That can be TV, that can be sport, that can be your own children that you idolize because you're putting them before what God wants you to do. There can be many different idols. The second commandment is no other gods. You shouldn't make any shape or size or form of them. No taking God's name in vain. Blasphemy, swearing, no taking God's name in vain. Observing a rest day in the week. God created heaven and earth in six days, and on the seventh day he rested. 
we, we don't necessarily take Sunday as a day of rest, especially if you're working in a hospital or in the services, but we should have a day of rest. That's what God said from the beginning. And if we don't, we burn ourselves out. Honor your father and mother. That's, that can be tough if you've come from a difficult background, but it doesn't get you out. We still honor our father and mother as we are able to under the Lord. No murder. Lots of people say, well, I've never murdered. That doesn't really, doesn't, doesn't really affect me. But we do. We murder in our thinking. We murder in our hearts when we talk about people, when we, when we defame them, when we criticize them, and we can have murderous thoughts. No adultery. Again, people may well say, well, I've never slept with my neighbor's wife or, or what have you. But adultery comes in many forms. And Job said, I've made a covenant with my eyes. I will never look on a woman to lust after her. And pornography in these days is so prevalent, that is so tough. And I really feel for you teenagers, it is a tough call these days to remain pure. But God wants you to remain pure and he will help you. And if it's something that is hard and you find difficult or you've fallen into, then seek help. Seek the, the help of a brother or a sister in the Lord and get them to stand with you and pray with you. No stealing, no lies, no coveting other people's possessions. Sometimes we're out of action because we're sinning. Jesus dealt with the disease and not just the symptoms. Jesus didn't look at this man as he lowered through the roof and say to him, oh dear, your legs don't work. Um, we better do something about your legs. Now Jesus looked at the disease and the disease in this man that he saw was sin. Now again, I'll reiterate, I am not saying every disease is caused by sin. So don't, don't say, oh, Doreen says I'm ill because I've been sinning. If, if that's the case, God will put that in your heart and you have to put it right. But Jesus looked at this man and he said, your sins are forgiven. In Psalm 51, King David prays, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. King David knew what it was to sin and he sinned pretty badly as a king and taking another man's wife. He slept with her, she got pregnant, he killed his, her husband so that he would be able to marry her. But he knew forgiveness. He went to God and humbled himself and God forgave him. In Luke 5, in the message translation, it says, your cleansed, obedient life, not your words will bear witness to what I have done. So our lives have to live what we're saying. If we say one thing, if we tell our friends at work or our neighbors that we're Christians and they see our lives don't look any different to theirs, 
then what are we actually portraying of our Christian faith? Your cleansed, obedient life, not your words, will bear witness to what I have done. Then at the end of this, I've sort of skipped all the scribes and the Pharisees and their hard hearts. Jesus tells the man to go home. Home is where people really see us. Living at home, either with a non-Christian spouse or siblings who don't believe in Jesus or um, our grandparents or aunts and uncles or whoever, home is where the people see us. And Jesus says to this man, go home. He's saying, let your cleansed, obedient life bear testimony to the fact I've healed you. And that's got to be true of us, in our homes, to bear the name of Jesus. But Jesus also, it also says of him, there's no condemnation. So in Romans 8 verse 1, in the Amplified Bible, it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation, there's no guilty verdict, no punishment, for those who are in Christ Jesus, who believe in him, as personal Lord and Saviour. When we're guilty of anything, we go to God. We ask him to forgive us. And as John 1, 1, John, John, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And Satan comes along and he says, you're guilty as hell. You've done this, you're a miserable sinner, you should be groveling in the dirt. No, Jesus says, I've forgiven you. One of my favorite verses, and probably one of the first verses I ever learned as a child, I became a Christian when I was five, was John 3, 16. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. We see in Romans 8, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So if you want your sins forgiven, if you want to be made right with God, you've got to accept John 3.16, that God loved the world, that God sent his only son to come and save you, came to come and deliver you from all your sin. Romans 2 verse 4 is really beautiful. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? God loves us. He desires us to be saved. He desires us to come and know him, put our trust in him. God is a caring and a compassionate God. He's not condemning. He's inviting you to step into your healing and to make, be made upright 
and in right standing with God. That's what that verse says. He was going to be made upright and in right standing with God. And that's what God's caring, compassionate heart is all about. Now, in the next slide, have you ever thought about this? I don't think I'd ever thought about this. What about the hole in my roof? We don't, we, don't, we don't read anything about that. There's Jesus preaching, healing the sick, dirt on his head. And if this was Simon Peter's house and he was a poor man, Simon Peter is very likely to be thinking, who is going to mend my roof? And everybody goes out, the man goes out, and he's leaping and dancing and praising the Lord, and everybody's glorifying God. And the owner of this house is probably, unless he was far more spiritual than I am, was thinking, I'm going to sleep in this house tonight, and if it rains, we will all get wet. Who is going to mend my roof? Now, what relevance does that have to us? Well, actually, it actually touched quite a, a, a point in my life, because as Christians, we often serve God and get our fingers burnt. We give our time, our money, we use our home, we, we transport people about, and sometimes nobody really says thank you. Sometimes people make a hole in our roof and walk off. Do you think God cares about that? Lovely verse in Romans 16. Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. Even when I've got a hole in my roof, because somebody's done it. The land you've given me is a pleasant <coughs> land. What a wonderful inheritance. When we get a hole poked in our roof that we didn't ask for, when we've been serving really hard and we're feeling very fed up with God for somebody sticking a hole in our roof, then just remember Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. Jesus said to the disciples, come and follow me. Foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And this was probably a lesson to the disciples who were there that day, thinking, we don't have any money. You've asked us to follow you, and we don't have anything of our own. Jesus knows that. And he is your cup of blessing. The land he's given you is a pleasant land. It's a wonderful inheritance. God doesn't say everything's going to be fine, it's going to be a nice smooth road, and won't be any bumps in it, and life will be roses. No, he doesn't say that. He says, come, take up your cross and follow me. Ask God, glory in God, that he has made you in right standing, right standing with God. What a privilege to be in that place.